1: All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guest illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Oranga.
2: Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, a conversation of hope for Tuesday, January 10th. Today, I am your fill-in guest host, Betsy Hicks, with my uh, wonderful guest, Certified Relationship Development Intervention RDI Consultant, Kathy Darrow. Welcome, Kathy. Thank you, Becky. Thanks for having me on. Well, you're so welcome, and I'm filling in for Terry today, who will be back with you next week. Um, and I'm a little bit different in format, but I I think we're going to have a lot of fun today talking about this because this is a wonderful topic, and your work is fantastic. Um, But there's so many questions. So let's start with who
3: developed RDI. Oh, that's an easy one. Um, His name is Dr. Steve Gutstein, and he's had over 20 years' experience in the treatment for developmental disabilities, and within that time frame, what's really interesting was he saw that there was something missing in how we were trying to help children with autism and other developmental delays. Mm-hmm. So his first book came out, um, I believe it was over ten years ago, and it was called "Solving the Relationship Puzzle," and that was so you know so to speak the first installment of some of his own discoveries and what could really help our children on the spectrum and and even those you know with other developmental delays. Um, RDI is based out of Texas, and we have RDI consultants spanning the globe, really on every continent. It's really cool. We have a really huge resource of consultants. Wh- where um, are, all where r- are those
2: consultants trained mostly? What's that? Where where do the consultants get trained and certified? They get trained in Texas. Okay. Um, they all
3: the consultants get trained in Texas. What happens is. Uh, we go there for about a two-week period in the beginning. We get all the information we need, and then we'll go back towards the end of our certification for another week. But in the middle of that process, which we call the, which we call the certification process, is we, we choose two families that we're going to work with, and we get a certified supervisor, in RDI, and they walk through us with those two families. And this process usually takes about 18 months. Or upward wow. of, you know, time. Wow. And what that supervisor does is she follows all of our work with these two families. She watches the videos. We submit to our supervisor our own videos of what we think will help this child, will help this family. And, you know, it's, it's really comprehensive. And I'm suspecting that's where my serious addiction to coffee came into play. Okay. <laughs> You know, and another really interesting thing about uh, certification is yes. not only do we learn a lot about, you know, what Dr. Gutstein's vision is, is we also read a lot of developmental books, you know, books from Alan Fogel, from Dan um, Daniel Siegel, from Peter Hobson, from Barbara Roboff. Just as a trainee, we want to just absorb all we can about
2: the typical development process. Right. So what? So this is the, probably the most important of, of all. What is pretty much the theory behind RDI? You're right. That is an important question. <laughs> well, <laughs> simply put,
3: RDI's theory is we want to give our children with autism a second chance to master those typical milestones that typical children can master. That you know that they, you know, our typical kids have a specific developmental track, and when autism comes into play our kids don't get that chance. So the theory behind RDI is to be able to have have sort of a redo of that. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at RDI and its roots, you see that it's really based on typical development, you know, broken down to understand just how typical children develop that mindful intelligence. One of the concepts that RDI is based on is um, a, a concept called guided participation, and that concept is in one of Barbara Rokoff's books called Apprenticeship and Thinking. Okay. And that book yeah, that book outlines how every society uses a guide, you know, we guide our children right from birth. That's how we teach our children. That's how children acquire those those abilities to problem solve through mm-hmm. any interactions that they're doing, how they understand relationships. And so that's why RDI is really heavy on term guided participation.
2: So, and what? what I'm, and I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just That's curious to know what ages, in a typical development, do the majority of these theory uh, does, does this guidance come come towards come forth? You mean, how far do we usually have to go back? Well, I'm just saying, do most of our guidance for our children, for a typical developing child, most of their guidance that's that's kind of coming forward this way, is it happening between usually 18 months and so many years, or is it just a continuous thing throughout all of our our parenting? Well, it is a continuous thing throughout our parenting, but it does start
3: really early. If you think about a three-month-old, and you're playing peekaboo with a three month old. You're guiding that three month old to pay attention to your face. You play peekaboo and then, you know, you cover your face. You're guiding that child to understand that you may, you may disappear for a minute, but you're going to reappear. And sure. that is basically building up that child's understanding that you're there for them. You're their guide. You know, and if you think in our own lives, because That that starts that early, and we, even as adults, we're guided. We we take a guide. If you think of our own lives, if you think about, you know, we we all, if we have a job or if we're at stay-at-home, think of a boss who maybe comes to you and says he wants you to take on a huge project, and he wants to guide you, and he'll give you enough freedom to make some really cool discoveries about, you know, the project and Mm -hmm. what can work, what may not work. And, you, like, you never will feel alone, and more importantly, he won't micromanage you and correct you, you know, when he sees things differently. And so with that great guidance that even as adults we get, our resilience builds up, and we feel really good about the job we're doing, you know. Exactly. And so, but what happens, if you think about now, a boss who does want to micromanage you, a boss who doesn't let you contribute, a boss who's a poor guy to you, right, then, you're not having too much fun, are you? <laughs> you know, you no. don't want to, you'll get through that project. You'll get through whatever you have to do, but in the end, you'll you'll pretty much want to always shy away from anything that boss wants you to do. You'll shy away from kind of stepping out of your comfort zone, mm. and that that pretty much says a lot about the theory of RDI, spanning from children to adulthood. We want to build up that resilience. You know, nobody likes to feel like a failure.
2: Sure. So how how tell me about it, what, this is very interesting. So with the guided participation relationship, how does that foster the child's curiosity and flexibility?
3: Well, it fosters um, in in a few different ways. Of course, it fosters by when we take a look at typical development. By the time the child has started to crawl or walk, you know they've built an incredible amount of resilience. Like I was telling you, the game of peekaboo. They know that you're you know you're going to disappear. You come back. With with walking, they know that if they fall down, they can get up and we'll be cheering them on. And, you know, what they do is when a child, if you think about a typical child, if they fall, what's the first thing they usually do? They turn to look
2: at their guide
3: to kind of try to assess, wait, am I okay? And that's called borrowing our perspective. So, you know, the baby falls, the baby kind of looks, to see, okay, am I okay? Now the mother or the guide or the parent has two options. They can be like, oh, you're fine. You can get up. You're okay. And then the baby's kind of like, okay, this is good. This is good. I'm, re- I'm resilient. Or if you're like, oh no, are you okay? Usually the baby will start to cry. Right. Because they're at, right. They're at that age where our perspective, they, 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 they need to borrow it to understand the world around them or they're just going to feel too, too scared to understand the world. And so through RDI, how we're going to foster this feeling of competence is by building up a child's resilience. And so we're going to start with really small steps in activities that were focused on the engagement piece where they can be successful. And so that way they have this block of memories that they can be like, wait, I was successful here. I was able to understand my social world. I can go to the next step." so this,
2: so tell me then is there in particular a time with a lot of the, the children that have autism where they disconnected from this that where they disconnected from a typical you know the 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 innate i should say guided relationship that you know we we don't even know that we're doing but we're just doing this is or is this something that you know that gets kind of cut off from a very young age is there Typical that you you kind of like restart from a certain age. Am I making sense with this? Because I'm just I'm I'm, more, I'm really interested on to at what point do the children with autism fall off of the of the uh, the normal so development? Their developmental
3: track. That yeah. exactly they they fall off of their developmental track. And you know what? Every child is unique and different. Sure. We have right. So every child. Kind of can stall at different places. One child maybe will stall in the beginning, and so what they do is to to protect themselves. They try to control everything around them, mm-hmm. and so that they don't have very much flexibility. And they're like you know they they have meltdowns because something's changed in their environment. And that's that's a very basic early level where it's broken down. I mean, I do see a lot of children broken down at a very early level. That's usually where we start. But there's different reasons for the breakdown, because you, you figure some children are highly verbal, so that's going to look a little different than children who are nonverbal.
2: Right. So how, how do you restore this, then? How do you restore that, that relationship?
3: Mm-hmm. Well, the, the very first thing that we take notice of is, is their resilience. That's the most important thing. Um, what we want to do is we want to make sure that um, we provide them opportunities within their day for a lot of successful interactions because because they're used to not having very many successful interactions not because of anything we have done as parents it's just because of autism that they just don't understand the world around them so you know for example um, I have two kids that were on the spectrum and I have four altogether. And so it was really challenging for me for therapy time, obviously. <laughs> right. But within when I started rpi it made my life a lot easier because I was able to incorporate a lot of little lifestyle changes that I could, you know, do with my kids to really practice those little times of resilience. And one one example, one very simple example is just, you know, not bombarding my kids with a lot of prompts. We we really don't realize how much that hurts our kids' resilience when we're trying to get language out of them and we're prompting them and we're never letting them process anything. And they see us as kind of always interrupting them because because our kids do think. Our kids do, when we say something, they do think. They just need that extra time to process what's going on to kind of get it out there. So when we don't give them that time, it's really hard for them to develop the resilience. Kathy, yeah, so one you know, of the things about. that I tell families right off the
2: bat is to slow down their pace to give extra time for processing. Okay, so I, and I have a question about that because what happens if they walk away? Then I mean, because the and dis and kind of disengage. Like while you're kind of waiting for the answer in that process, maybe is there just a fine line between waiting too long and when they just completely disengage? Right, well you wanna, you
3: wanna kinda make it so they can't really just walk away. Now they can disengage, but in the very beginning that disengagement is okay. We're not, we're not demanding that they do something. Sure. At the very root of this is that we just want them to know that initially we'll wait for them. They may be disengaging because they just suspect that we won't wait for them. So, like I said, every child's very unique, but mm-hmm. What I would say, depending on each child, you know, is if they're disengaging to continue to wait, I would say usually to count between 30 and 45 seconds. Okay. And if they're still disengaged after that, because usually if nothing's going on, they'll kind of glance like, okay, why is not anything going on? Because they're kind of used to something happening. So if there's no sort of referencing, if there's no sort of glancing back, then you can say something else. It's not like you have to wait there for an hour. <laughs> but, just, but just giving them that extra time, the process, and, and not so much wording things as question after question after question, but just kind of using the concept of thinking out loud, thinking about our perspective out loud. Just, you know, an example of that would be if you, if you just want, wow, I really like this apple I'm eating, instead of,
2: you know, do you want a piece of apple? Oh, got it. Okay, Kat, we have to take a quick break. Um, Okay. Everybody stay tuned. This is really fantastic. Um, We'll be right back here on Voice America.
4: You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness.
0: The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you really whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you that's dr carol's couch every tuesday at 1 p.m pacific time here on america's voice voiceamerica.com.
4: your life your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. Hi,
2: everyone. It's Betsy Hicks filling in for Terry Oranga. She'll be back with us next week. But I have the most wonderful guest here. Her name is Kathy Darrow, and she is here from Relationship Development Intervention, otherwise known as RDI. We've been talking about this guided participation relationship. And next, Kathy, I really want to talk about what is this family-guided participation program um, as opposed to just the guided. Okay. that, That would be a great thing to talk about because... Because I believe
3: that the family as a whole needs to address autism and not just you know the child with autism. So what RDI does for the family guided participation program is that we have um, a balanced approach working with the parents and the children because let's face it, a diagnosis of autism affects us as parents, right uh, I mean, I know that right one of the things that RDI really helped me to come alongside with me is to help me feel more confident with how to guide my children. I kind of got set up in this cycle of, you know, when my children were diagnosed that I didn't really know what to do with them, and then I kept trying to get them to talk and get them to do this and get them to act a certain way, and I felt like I was just trying to get them, get them, get them, get them. Get them sure. To do things, and, you know, and it just set me up for a vicious cycle of never really being proactive, I was always reactive. And so, you know, and having a child that doesn't connect with you is devastating. So what's so great about RDI is is the parents and the children go through specific goals. You know, an example of that is like taking time for yourself. We have a goal for a parent objective, you know, make sure you take time for yourself. And at the same time, we look at things in the day and see optimal times that we can use to guide our children, because not every time in the day is going to be an optimal time. You know, we can't, I, I can't always be like this perfect mom guiding her child. I have to take really specific times in the day where, where it's just optimal, where I'm in a good mood or I I'm not feeling rushed, you know, and that, or even that my child's in a really good spot to be able to accept my guidance, and so. The family program addresses the entire family unit, not just the child. And you know, a lot of things that I hear from families who are doing RDI is that um, how it's helped their entire family and how it's helped just every aspect. I hear a lot of like they kind of got out of crisis mode when they started RDI because they just realized that it's okay, everything's okay, everything's
2: going to work together. It's, it's all good yeah I have to say my kids are much more have a much much nicer relationship with with my son than 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 I would say you know there's so much expectation from parents and with right. with the siblings there's more of a I'll take what I can get kind of thing and, right right and so i I really i do i i look sometimes at the relationship he has with his siblings which he knows you know, they're the first to yell at him too. I mean, if he's not acting in a way where I would be more gentle and more understanding, they're like, Joey, knock it off. And, and yet I I know I'm always so protective of him, but he, he needs that normal sibling banter almost as much as, much as anything, because it's part of their relationship. And, um, so, so it is very, that's, that's, it's so fabulous that there's a program out there that involves the siblings because it is so essential to the whole family dynamics and, and giving permission for the siblings to, to to feel more comfortable in ways of how to react with their Oh, absolutely. What's really cool is RDI has an, an
3: entire online community, and when a a family signs up for RDI, they get access to this online community, and the siblings even have their own little headquarters where they can see what's being worked on. They can go in and they can read about different things, how to just, you know, um, help their family, help their, their sibling, even things for them, because I know that RDI is such a rich program that in the later, later stages, we all can work on our dynamic intelligence. We can all, you know, kind of like be able to reflect on our mistakes, think back to how we can improve things, and, the, you know, that's what happens when you get into the later stages. Right. So yeah. the tools online are just incredible for the entire family. So there is a lot
2: of that, because that was where I was going to go next.
3: Yes, yes. It's an online program. It has webinars. It has a community of everybody globally doing RDI. Um And that is where you talk to your consultant, you upload videos of your interactions with your child, that's where you get your, you give your feedback. What is incredible about RDI is you're just never alone in this whole process. You have a community, you have your consultant, it's never like you just walk away thinking, okay, I don't really know what to do now with all this information. It's a step-by-step process. So why don't you proceed?
2: Because, okay, uh, I lost, so we don't you. know where I left off, right? Okay, I lost you when I asked if there were tools online. Oh, okay, okay.
3: Yes, yeah, so there are tools online, and it's for the entire family. The siblings can go on the online system. What happens is when a, tra- when a parent, when parents join the online system, they get access to webinars, they get access to um, chats, they Oh, have fabulous. To, yeah, they have access to... Um, Posts from other families who are doing RDI from, you know, all around the world. And so it's a, it's a very it, – it's an incredible program because not only do they have that, but the online system is where they talk to their consultant, where they upload their videos, where they, um, you know, do their reflections, where they journal. They can Perfect. journal about every day, so that way, you know, Journaling and looking back on where your child was six months ago is an incredible tool to to be excited about because you get to you get to see the progress. Because sometimes when you're with your child day in and day out, you don't really remember where they were. Yeah. So it's it's just a vast community
2: where everything is at your fingertips. So it's well, it's, and it's, it's great to excellent. have it documented. I mean, it is it is nice to be able to see the progression and to see, you know, just just to have that kind of documentation is to how it all came together and how it all worked. And it's just wonderful to know because that's how we're able to prove to other parts of society that this type of thing works when you actually have a consistent documentation of it. So it's great that you're all doing it. Um, Yes.
3: One of the things that we like so much about, you know, videoing the objectives and working on that way and doing the reflections that way instead of, Interacting with the child and stopping to take data or stopping to, you know, write down notes is, is, it's on video. We can see it and we can see it a lot more clearer when we, when we're out of it, when we're doing yeah. something with the child, we think we're doing something. And then when we watch the video, we're like, oh, yeah, that, that, I, that looks different than I thought it went. And we can really fine tune what we're doing with our
2: children that way. So I have a question, which um, I, I haven't heard you mention yet, but I'm, I'm, uh, I'm sure you've got an answer for, which is uh-oh. age. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, uh-oh, <laughs> this wasn't a prepared thing. <laughs> I just want to know, can you work with any age, or do you stop working at a certain age? Oh, we work with, with children, we work with adults. There is no age
3: limit to the brain changing for dynamic intelligence. You know, there's no reason that anybody cannot improve how they think socially, how they reflect and reminisce and, you know, how they can perceive perspective. There's always, you know, if you think about our own brain, you know, I last year I'm very different than I am now because I've learned things. I've been able to change my brain in in a lot of things, a lot of ways of thinking. So we work with all age groups.
4: opinions options answers voice america health and wellness
5: to perform at your maximum potential you need to have all aspects of your life working properly on mind brain and body doctor michael john Kell will bring you honest open discussions concerning your physical mental and financial health if you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life tune in to mind brain and body every friday at 8 a.m pacific mind brain and body on voice america health and wellness radio dedicated to your health wealth wisdom and purpose every
4: weekend take some time out of your schedule for new reflections featuring dr adam rubinstein it's a show about all things aesthetic from skin care to plastic surgery, health and beauty, you'll learn about the aesthetic products and procedures to embrace or avoid. Each show will feature live, virtual, interactive consultations that you'll be able to follow along with and featured guests from the world of beauty and aesthetics. Listen Saturdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, for new reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel.
5: Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network.
4: Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness.
1: Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry
2: Hi, this is Betsy Hicks. I'm sorry. I'm laughing so hard. Okay, Kathy, this is just a really fun show. Um, we, I I don't even know what people have heard and what they haven't heard. We got taken away when uh, we had some problems um, with our connection. Then I started asking Kathy all these questions, not realizing that I wasn't even um, talking to <laughs> the audience, so, <laughs> so we're going to just go back here just a little bit, because I just want to make sure that what we're saying has actually been on, um, and, and understanding this the whole thing that the brain never stops learning, and um, with this, so as far as I'm understanding what you're saying, because the, your program sounds absolutely fabulous, is that the brain is constantly regenerating itself, but what gets lost are these progressional things that we learn in our development and what you're saying is we're going back and we're teaching these from the beginning and just like if it was a child who all of a sudden could, who couldn't walk and had to look now could you know had the potential of walking they have to teach from from a crawling stage you're doing this almost on a developmental stage you're going back to the crawling stage of development and the way that the brain learns and going exactly. back to playing exactly okay. because, right because Previously, we we haven't we haven't done
3: that in other therapies. We've kind of taken where a child is if a child's three years old, we're like, "Okay, let's just be talking. Let's teach them how to talk. We're not We're not really thinking, okay, but wait, what comes before talking? It's that right. nonverbal communication. It's those milestones of understanding the world around them before they can even say anything. Your babies are
2: excellent communicators even before they can talk. Right, right. Okay, so what is this? What's your basic strategy that you use to make this child the child more successful? Well, the basic strategy that we use is
3: we help to help the, the parent guide the child to discover their confidence, and this is done by a process. Um, one of them is to again, like I was saying, the allowing the time for the child to, to process what's going on around them without over prompting them. Okay. Um, you know. I know we talked about, I'm, I'm pretty sure that we got this information on the show, is that um, we're so used to kind of dragging things out of our kids, we end up doing all the work in the interaction. We're sitting there and we're being their entertainer and we're being their question asker. Um, but if we wait and give our child the permission to process what we're saying and show them that we'll wait for them, then, you know, they're going to they're gonna be more confident in being able to share what they're thinking. Because they are thinking, you know, all of our kids do things mm-hmm. and we don't want to steal their their opportunity for thought away from them by continually, you know, barraging them with questions or or commands or something like that, to where they can't get a word in edgewise.
2: So, but but now, I used to, I know Tom Brown. You know, do you know who Tom Brown is? Um, he's an RDI person in uh, Auburn Hills. Uh, Michigan. I believe so. Yes. Okay. So. Um... I used to watch a couple of sessions that he did and okay. he had the child and he was he's absolutely fabulous at it and I loved watching it but the child was in a room now my I, I said this kind of at the beginning and I'm still kind of curious about if they don't engage, which is very, very typical of a lot of kids with autism, and because mm-hmm. they're used to not having someone engage with them, then they kind of walk away. Now, you were saying earlier you really don't give them an opportunity as much to necessarily walk away. So is it always best to do this in a kind of a closed-door situation? Well, maybe in the beginning
3: if there are some serious attention issues where they're constantly walking away. You know, I have, I have some children who they benefit from maybe sitting at a at a table and just doing, you know, some some play there or some communication there, or in a, in a room, or you know, just kind of like sitting next to them, um, gently holding on to them just so that they can't walk away. There's all sorts of strategies so that they don't just um, get up and walk away. I I think that you know in a room is one of those strategies, but even in a room, they can get up and walk to the other side of the room. So. We just kind of want to foster that them wanting to even though you know, to stay with us. Because again I think that the reason that some children do disengage is because they're they're not having that resilience built up. They're 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 not wanting they're being overwhelmed with what they're perceiving that we're going to try to get them to do. And once they realize that, hey, we're just gonna hang out, we're not gonna I'm not gonna ask you to do A million different things, we're just gonna kinda hang out, then they, then they kinda trust that more. And that may take a little bit. That may take maybe starting out with just sitting down with them for a minute and not expecting them to do anything to perform or to, to react to anything, just kinda hanging out with them for a minute and then ending that successfully so that they can see, wait, I sat down with them for a minute, I sat down with my mom for a minute and she didn't try to get me to do all these things. I'm kind of liking that. I'm kind of liking that I can do that. And that, again, builds up the child's resilience. Does that make sense?
2: It makes t- much, tremendous sense. So, so give me some more examples of situations where, um, you, you know, the guide uses a, a kind of like a, a productive communication style.
3: Okay. So we all, like you and I, Even though you're asking me questions, we kind of are able to go back and forth in a communication style where I'm going to say something and you're like, yes, that makes sense. And then you kind of go off of what you think. And that's called using declarative language. Okay. And that's, you know, that's what we generally, that's generally how we communicate. And what happens with autism when our, when, you know, our children are diagnosed with autism and they're not giving us that feedback, we start turning into um, using a lot of imperatives like the questions and the and the commands. And so what we want to do is we want to turn that around and we want to start you know, not asking so many questions and not making so many commands or demands on our kids and just having that genuine declarative statement sort of mind where um, you know, for example, if we want our kid if we if we're gonna be leaving soon, if we're gonna be going out somewhere and our children need to get their shoes on and we have the time to let them process this information we can say oh I'm going to get my shoes on because I need to go outside and that gives them you know we're not making a demand on them but we're helping them to learn how to share our perspective on what we're doing and that kind of helps them to say "Well, wait what am I supposed to be doing I got it I got it that's very interesting And it does that, and they don't perceive anything as a threat because, you know, a lot of times our kids perceive our, um, not necessarily what we're saying to them, but they're just so used to not understanding their surroundings and what everyone's doing in the social world that they do perceive everything as a threat, even though it's not. Right. And that's why kids are so controlling, because if they can control every aspect of their environment, then they won't feel threatened.
2: So it's, it's a defense mechanism. Sure. So what's the balance between the parent uh, or the guide, whatever, providing challenging moments for mental and narrow growth versus holding back and letting the child take action and discover things? Um, well, I, th- I think that
3: the balance is we want to make sure that the action taken is rooted in relationship building. You know, in typical development, that kind of growth really only happens when we experience things. So without experience, without the relationship piece, you know, if a child takes an action by himself and discovers things outside of that relation piece, it's, I don't know, just kind of like an accumulation of information. It's not really neural growth because it's not, it's not focused on that dynamic relationship piece. And so typically what I start out with my families is I want to create with them because a lot of kids will be working independently. We'll see, especially for older children, Uh, the parents will say, well, look how independent he can do that. Look how independent he is. But we actually want to create this interdependence on relationships first through working together, through through um, doing side-by-side actions together. And then when that interdependence is is really emerging and firm, then we can kind of create more challenges, more opportunities for perspective-taking, and that's when more independence can come. So it's kind of like reverse. We kind of have to make sure that the
2: child is interdependent on us before they can be dependent. That's great. So can you give us also some examples of kind of fostering that flexibility and introducing like new it, fun activities and favorite activities? Okay. Well, I mean, I think that there's
3: there's definitely a lot of ways to foster flexibility. Um, we can change small parts of a routine. If we go for a walk, we can pay attention to different things as we're taking a walk. If we're eating, you know, we pretty much always eat as a family, or at some point our child eats, and we can take that opportunity to, to eat together and to just slowly um, take a different fork when we're eating, and there's there's a lot of different ways to foster flexibility. But honestly, by by fostering that resilience, like I was talking about, the child does become more flexible because the world's not so scary to him. You know, right. they short, they kind of start to enjoy when we shake things up a bit because because they have that deposit in their resilience bank, and they they don't feel like they have to um, keep their world safe anymore. And so through RDI, again, we work through that resilience. And then we have specific objectives down the line as we look to see what's emerging through the resilience, you know, the flexibilities that are going to emerge through building up the resilience. And then if there's little things that just need some more working on, that's what we do. That's what we, you know, that's when we take any kind of, any kind of action that we do during the day, we can increase flexibility. If, you know, if you get up and you're brushing your teeth, you can you can do that differently. You can do that outside of the bathroom, and that's going to increase flexibility to know that, okay, we don't always have to do that in the bathroom, and just those little changes really do a lot for
2: our kids. Yeah, I can see why. Well, what about um, building confidence? How How do you go about that? Okay, well one of the, the things that we do to build
3: confidence is we, we call it confidence building um, because I think that one of the huge things with our kids and even with, with typical children and adults is we react really well to stress. Now, <laughs> by saying that, I mean good stress. We all like to be challenged just a little bit but not too much to where we're overwhelmed. Right. And Right, right. So that's kind of like, you know, productive uncertainty, where it's very productive to be a little uncertain about things, but not too much. But then when we're really uncertain and we can't handle it anymore, we're overwhelmed and it just gets out of hand, that's unproductive. So how we go about building you know, that confidence is we take little steps within the day, Built into each objective and built into that individual child's program, and we just give him a one step ahead um, way to just build more confidence in what he's doing. Build more confidence in any activities that he's doing. Um, any kind of any kind of activity when you know when we talk, when we talk to him, when we're playing with them, when we're baking cookies, when we're when we're eating, when we're drinking, anything that we can think of, to just kind of give him that one step ahead to be like, wait, I can be successful in this in this next thing. Like your example of the interaction of if, you know, the engagement if the child just walks away. At some point in that interaction, we can create a moment where he can be competent, and he'll remember that moment. And that's the secret to getting him to engage, is his
2: competence in that engagement. And how do you express them the enthusiasm of their of their in for their actual initiation to engage? Well, we there's have might be easier There's a lot of <laughs> high fives or whatever the appropriate oh, is Oh
3: no, no, we, we don't because that sometimes can overwhelm children. Yeah, it really can. It, it can. So we we try to just be very whatever they're doing we're, we can be calm i mean we can be excited for them definitely sure but at the same point i think that sometimes you know if if, if i'm if i'm telling a really exciting story and someone's like over the top going, oh that's just the thing that's just and and going
2: off doing her own thing i'm like wow well,
3: they're not listening to me
2: yeah I, right now we, okay. we, so, right, we have to take a quick break again i'm sorry i'm uh kathy. Right. It's so, so great to hear you talking we will be right back and thanks again to oxa health for sponsoring the show we'll be right back with kathy darrow
4: you're listening to voice america health
5: and wellness
2: Hello, it's Betsy Hicks, and we are back with wonderful Carrie Darrow with RDI. We're talking uh, having some wonderful discussion here about relationships and developmental situations that um, RDI is all about. and it seems just absolutely fantastic. Everything that you're saying just seems so real and right, and it makes so much sense. and, I, and I'm really excited that it has had the popularity that it that it's had. And um, Kathy, did you first get into it because of your work with your children, or is this something that you know you got into before? or Tell me how you got involved, and tell me the situation with your children. Oh, okay, yes. Um, well, my two middle children uh, were diagnosed with
3: autism. My first son, uh, he was seemed to be typical until he became ill, and um, so I would he was he was diagnosed with regressive autism. Okay and yeah and then um, we did you know a bunch of therapies with him and at the time you know he's 14 now so at the time that he was three um, we were doing some therapies with him and I felt that he was doing really well and um, he still wasn't really grasping relationships and the social the social piece. Um, he was real smart though he had all his skills and and he was doing really good that way but he still, had a lot of struggles with school and just with other people. And so at about that same time that I just noticed that he was still really struggling, he was, he was about in first grade. Um, I had another um, baby. And at that time, you know, since I knew what I was kind of looking for with autism, I noticed things pretty much right away, probably within six months, but something's a little different. And... Um, I got that diagnosis for my third son um, right before he was 18 months old and he was diagnosed with infantile severe autism. And so we started the same program that we did with my older son, because I kind of thought that was, you know, the only thing out there, and and he really wasn't making any progress at all. So it made me really think, okay, I have to look into what else I can do. And that's how I discovered RDI, through, you know, through how so many of us discover things through other parents. And so I had a few parents tell me about RDI. I went to a seminar that, that Dr. Gutstein spoke at and I sat there and I was like, this makes so much sense. Right. This really makes a lot of sense. I've kind of been addressing, um, my son's, both my son's autism in a backwards way. I've been addressing their skills without addressing their development. Instead of addressing their development first, and then being able to watch their skills emerge, so I started implementing RDI right away with my younger son, and the progress was incredible. The progress was incredible. Like again, I said he was diagnosed with severe infantile autism. Right. Was told he would never talk. He couldn't even chew. He could not even chew. He had a lot of gut issues.
2: Right. right. And so you so, you, know, you did do a lot of biomedical work as well.
3: Yes, yes, we did biomedical with him to clear up his gut. I mean, because our kids need to be healthy too.
2: Exactly. In order to, exactly.
3: To progress, right? So we did, we did, you know, we changed his diet, we did some enzyme therapy, vitamins, I did amino you know, acids, you know, probiotics, fish oils, all that stuff.
2: <laughs> right, right. <And> it, <laughs> you know, Katie, I have to say that my credibility for for the program is heightened by the fact that you had children on different ends of the spectrum. Um, yeah. Frequently, you know, I hear somebody with one child, and it's like, okay, well, that worked for that kind of child, but you're looking at two very, very different children, and, and the fact it, it, that it's, it's interesting. Most, yeah, it, it's interesting you say that because I know a lot of people
3: will say, everything doesn't work for every child, and right, and I do, I do understand that. I do understand that our children are very unique, but at the same time. If we're restoring the guiding relationship, if we're looking at typical development and restoring that, of course it's going to work for every child. Every child, you know, typical. It's based on typical development. It's going to. I mean, it's going to help every child in some way because it's restoring their path.
2: Yeah. Now, how do families find a consultant and you know learn more about all of this? Okay. Well, they can go on
3: RDI's website. It's www.rdiconnect.com, and they can find a consultant there. Um, they can sign up also for the weekly newsletter, which will give you know a lot of articles and ideas, and that's on the site too. Um, in addition, they can find me on my website, um, and I have a few blogs out there now. My one blog. I'll give you the address because that's kind of hooked into all my other blogs, and that's a real easy address to remember. It's www.whatisrdi.blogspot.com, and I'm doing... a brilliant
2: domain name, by the way. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Right, because I kept hearing, so what's RDI? And I'm like, oh, I have to
2: create some... I always comment (laughs) on people who choose very good domain names. I'm kind of domain name deficient myself, but so you go ahead that's... Sorry, that was great. Okay, keep going. Yeah. And what what's is so r- great r- is when you type in what is RDI, that also comes up. <laughs> That's right. I got it, it all covered. Exactly right. <laughs> um,
3: and my website now I have a long website, so I'm shortening it. So I'm, I have two websites at this point. But my my initial website is www.autismremediationforourchildren.com. for our children dot com. Wow, and okay. yeah, <laughs> and I did that because I also have a Yahoo group that. All your listeners are welcome to join, and that's a yahoo at dot com, and that is, you know, that has over 750 families who are doing the RDI program, and we welcome people who are just considering what it can do for their family, and so you would just have to go on Yahoo to kind of find that one. But my new website, which is is sort of under construction, I'm going to try to have it up in the next couple days, is just going to be www autismremediation.com. Oh, perfect. <laughs> that, that That's a little
2: easier to remember. Yeah, it's a little easier. <laughs> <laughs> Where are you located, Kathy?
3: I'm in New Jersey. Okay. And so, so I do have local families that I work with. I also have um, long-distance families. Because of the online program, Sure, having long-distance families is, is very easy, too.
2: Tell me, then, cost-wise, is for, for families that, I mean... It would seem to me, based on what you've told me, that they're certainly the most successful would really be able to dive into this with a therapist and to have constant monitorings and constantly ideas. But it would also seem to me that there could be a huge benefit to just getting some basic guidelines through this and, and if you really couldn't afford a therapist to just doing a little bit of it on your own. Is that, is that, is that not advised?
3: Well, I thought it out um, implementing RDI strategies on my own. Okay, right. And I think that I, if you go to my blog, I give you all sorts of strategies. That was one of the reasons I created the blogs, is because I wanted to arm parents with information to help them get started. I just think that at some point it stalls because you can't look at your child and your interactions in a way where you can move forward because. I mean, you know, slowing down your language, your communication style and, you know, giving time to process. They're all great starters, but at some point we want to kind of catapult into the next arena of, of progress. And so to do that, it's really helpful to have a consultant telling you exactly how to do that with all the objectives within RDI. But I definitely recommend, because that's how... I got hooked on RDI is I started doing strategies first to just kind of do it on my own. And and I was like, wow, what a difference. And, and that kind of, you know, enticed me to be like, wait, I need more guidance in this. I want to take this to the next level. And something very dear to me is families being able to afford it. I actually had a meeting with uh, Senator Mendendez, who was very instrumental in the uh, Combating Autism Act okay. signing of that bill. I have a meeting with him on Friday to talk about funding.
2: Oh, wow.
3: Yes. And so I think it's huge. I think, you know, we want to give parents the best opportunity out there for their kids. And of course not.
2: Financial issues are a huge issue. Well, it is. And, you know, and then there's always the, p- the piece of priority. You know, you, you have so many funds to work with and, and where do you, you go first? And I think that both I think you would agree with me in saying that, you know, you need to get the child comfortable first. So biomedical, to getting them to a point where they're comfortable is imperative because you're not going to have that engagement if their gut is hurting and that their their brain's not able to work because their gut is so messed up or whatever might be happening. Oh, absolutely. And
3: um, what we have within RDI's program is that we look at all those conditions because sure we don't want to stall because of a condition with health. So we're gonna work on you know, simultaneously we're gonna work on the health, we're gonna work on the milestones. And what's really interesting is the fact that, you know, RDI is so much less expensive than a behavioral therapy. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, when we when we get to work on those milestones, I my younger son didn't need behavioral therapy after that.
2: Well I we have saved we to... have tons oh, of money. Sorry. We have to close the show. I'm sorry. We ran out of time. Okay. I apologize for cutting you because you've just been fantastic. I greatly appreciate your involvement with the show today, and and thank you to OXA Health for sponsoring the show. Next week, Terry will welcome Alex Doman. Um, we'll be talking about healing at the speed of sound. Thank you, everybody, for joining us today. Thank you, Kathy Darrow. Thank you, Becky. I hope I get to meet you at Autism One, the most wonderful conference in the world. Happy holiday oh, yeah. weekend.
1: All right, we'll be with you. Thank you for listening to Autism One, A Conversation of Hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, A Conversation of Hope with Terry Aranga.